When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our one podcast. This might be college football, Heather. We're back again to breaking news. If you are just joining us, Nick Saban is retiring. Yes, you heard that correctly. He informed his team this afternoon that his career is coming to an end. Nine SEC championships, seven national championships, one at LSU. We are uh, we're about a, we're about 50 minutes into this conversation. The story broke about 5:15 today uh, when we had Chris Lowe on, who broke the story. Someone who's been very close to Nick Saban. Uh, there are so many things that are going to be said that have been said, but uh, we thought we would take a deep breath for just a second and reflect on his greatness. The coach, the word, the legends who appreciate both. Every time the camera's on him, those wheels are spinning. Nick Saban, I have a feeling he's got his thumb in all of it because he wants perfection. Mental intensity, man. That's what we got to pick it up. Well, it's phenomenal, really. He's built such a program. Punch! That's it right there. That's what I want to see right there. When you're at the top, there's a lot of people that are pulling for you and there's a lot of people that want to beat you. What you do, speak so loudly, it don't matter what you say. I want to go on record as saying that in all of college sports, I think what Nick Saban has done at Alabama is unlike anything anyone else has ever done, and it's harder than anything anybody else has ever done. Every coach has been shaped by his teams, his peers, his mentors. Saban was by one of the game's greats. Well, I met Nick when uh, he coached at the Naval Academy. He coached with my dad. They were very close, and he was willing to leave Toledo to come to the Browns as our defensive coordinator. He's got that Croatian blood in him. Start with that. Nick just does a great job at everything. I learned so much from coaching with him at Cleveland. A great motivator, great with X's and O's. Uh, It comes down to you're going to do what you feel like doing or you're going to choose to do the things you need to do to get the outcome that you want. All coaches win games, some win titles. The greats win them again and again and again. You know, folks, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Winning the second time, winning back-to-back championships, especially in that world, that's an amazing feat, man. I bet you I admire them more than any other program. Marvel at the record book and raise a toast to the greatest college football coach of all time. Again, I, I had somebody ask me a minute ago, why now? Uh, we'll tr- we're trying to get some clarification on that, some, 
some context, uh, and I'm hoping our next guest can, can give us that. John Talty joined us earlier in the week. The subject came up, uh, as it almost always does when we talk to John Talty, who, of course, did the uh, best-selling book a year ago on the leadership traits of Nick Saban. John, many thanks for joining us. Your reaction and, and how did and how and why do you think it came out today? Yeah, it's interesting, Paul. We obviously just talked about it earlier this week, and it felt like as we talked about it, you know, there had been a lot of speculation, a lot of rumors, a lot of buzz, but, you know, felt like we had kind of gotten through the woods a little bit. I think the last, I think we even said it on air, the last, you know, couple of days have been very quiet about that kind of stuff. Now, looking back with hindsight, you know, maybe that was purposeful um, and it came out kind of somewhat out of nowhere today. Um, we had kind of been told, earlier today that there was going to be a mandatory team meeting. Um, I think there were some questions about what that meant uh, that we were looking into. And then it kind of blew up the way it did with Chris Lowe's bombshell. So I, I think that there's been some different buzz and speculation about what were the uh, ultimate reasons for why he walked away. I think we're still actively working on uh, those things. I want to be careful about what I say and not speculate needlessly on it. But I think that, if you get back to what Nick has always said, I think it's that he would know when it was time to walk away, when he no longer felt like he could give everything that he needed to give to maintain his program to a certain level. And I think just, you know, all that's changed in college football, all that's required of a coach now, I think that wears on you after a while. He's done it for a very long time. And as he's gotten older and there's more and more headaches and things that you have to deal with, I think those things become considerations. And ultimately, I think he really enjoyed this season. And maybe that was his opportunity to, to leave at the right time. And John, we've had this, we've talked about this countless, a countless number of times, including when we were together uh, about nine days ago. And there, there seemed to be this sense that had he won it all, it was it was a fait accompli that he, he was going to step down. Now, others disagreed. But when I think when he lost and, and I want you to comment on this, it just seemed to we all looked at it and go, uh, he's not going to leave now. Uh, that seemed to be the conventional wisdom, which not, is not always right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's you know, I think, again, we there was a lot of talk about kind of that ride into the sunset moment. And I think looking back on it. I think that ride into the sunset moment was beating Georgia in the SEC championship. I think it was, I think we said this on air the other day, like it was very important for Alabama to kind of reclaim that spot atop the SEC throne, uh, talking to players and coaches that it was a major priority. It was a focal point. I think it was really important for, you know, Nick Saban to show he, he could still do it. He could still be the king of the SEC and anything after that in some ways was gravy. Of course he, wanted to win a national championship, but they came very close to beating Michigan in the Rose Bowl. And, you know, had he had won it all, maybe it was, that's how it would have played out. But, you know, I think just, it was never going to be, you know, the, the obvious, I think in some regard, it was, he was going to decide when it was time for him to decide and, uh, you know, drop that bombshell today. So many uh, people are now saying, John, well, he is 72 years old, but uh, last week a lot of people were saying, yeah, but he's a young 72 years old. By the way, whatever that means, I don't know. Um, but everything's speculation right now, but you, you watched him all year long from a front row seat. He did seem different, did he not? I agree, Paul. And, you know, I want to be careful in terms of my speculation. But, yeah, I, I think that there, I think that's true. Um, and I think it's both, 
you can look at it a couple different ways. I think one of them um, is just in terms of how much he appreciated this team. And I think, again, I think there were some hints with hindsight, looking back, some hints dropped along the way. And just the way that he seemed to truly be enjoying this run. And there were plenty of stories and talk about, you know, a nicer, gentler Nick Saban. But, you know, in the back of his head, he might have known that this was coming to a head. And again, I think I said it on your show the other day, but, you know, that old Bill Parcells quote, like, once you start thinking about retiring, you are retired. And I have to wonder for Nick, when he started to sense himself appreciating it more, maybe not quite cranking it up the way that he used to, that that was maybe to him that time. Okay. Like it might be time to to walk away, but yeah, I think you could, you, you saw more signs, I would say this year. And I think that's why there was considerable speculation. And again, you and I have talked about this both on air and off air that there was quite a bit of buzz from, I would say, I don't know, maybe October to November on of, more and more people saying, hey, I think there's something happening here. And I think what was always hard for me, Paul, is just knowing how much he loves football and how scared he's talked openly about the Bear Bryant thing of being scared that when he leaves, what will happen? That just was always hard for me to get in my head, even though eventually he was going to have to retire. It was just always hard to imagine him actually walking away. But clearly he has decided that this is the time to do it. John Talty, many thanks. We'll talk again tomorrow, John. John Talty with the breaking news uh, about Nick Saban's retirement, still not confirmed by the university. We are uh, trying to get as much reaction here as possible. Clearly, this is a story that will go on for a long time. Nicole Arabak, uh, one of the preeminent college football writers. She also, of course, uh, on uh, NBC and, and the Big Ten Network, uh, but we, we wanted to get your view from a little distance from the SEC. Nicole, many thanks for joining us uh, again. Uh, we had a great time the other day. Just your reaction when you heard this news and, and trying to put it all into perspective. Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things that you knew was going to come and you knew was going to happen. And I'd heard speculation from folks like yourself here over the last couple of weeks uh, about what it all meant. And, and I was at the Rose Bowl, as which we now know, you know, his last game as an Alabama head coach. And it's still stunning when you think about it, because you think about how much college football history is in that one person and their impact on the sport. He is the greatest ever to do it. I, I know that that is a subjective but I think we can all agree in what he's done and how many national championships and how he's done it. Um, but it's just, it's remarkable, a remarkable legacy to think back on. And especially it was fascinating to think back on him deciding to, to go out after coaching this team, because I think one of the things you and I had talked about, but everyone had talked about all season was how much he seemed to enjoy coaching a team that he really had to coach up and get better and develop as the season went on and squeeze every little bit out of them. Uh, and you could tell that that was enjoyable to him. And it's interesting to choose to go off uh, out into the pasture after a season like that, instead of just going out on top after a national championship a couple of years ago. Nicole, uh, it, it almost seems uh, sacrilegious to, to immediately turn the page, but you understand it. You cover the sport at the highest possible level, but some names are already out there the, you know, with connections, but, and some, some with no connections, but, and I realize there's not a lot of time for reporting on a story that is literally, literally breaking uh, as we're speaking, but just from your understanding of the, of the college football landscape, uh, your, your thoughts on what could be next for Alabama? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think I would go for Dan Lanning first and foremost. Obviously, he does have ties uh, to the program, but it just feels like he is the face of where this game is going in terms of, you know, how he recruits, but how he calls games, how he runs his program. And it's interesting because he was so forceful about his denial of being linked to the A&M job when that one opened. But I think you have to ignore everything that you say when it's not an Alabama job. And he's saying that he's happy at Oregon and everything that they support him and allow him to build the program that he wants. But it's Alabama. Like, it's just a totally different situation in stratosphere. Um, Obviously, the expectations will be sky high. And, you know, you'd be replacing the legend, which is not always an enviable position. But that's who I would go after. I think, you know, we're already seeing a lot of speculation about kind of all the obvious names, the coaches who are, are doing a lot in college football right now, as you mentioned, some with ties to Alabama, some without like a Mike Norvell even, Um, you know, Dabo was always an interesting name early on in the years where Clemson and Alabama would just essentially pencil in their national championship date each year. And that one felt like that was maybe, maybe that window of time had passed on the front end. Uh, A, after, you know, he built Clemson up to playing for their own national championships, but also now that again, the sport kind of feels like it's past Dabo Swinney a little bit and he's unwilling to embrace where it is today. So that's another reason why I think you are looking at kind of that younger generation of coaches who, who really understand what college football needs in 2024. And that's why I think Dan Lanning to me is the face of that. And he's just a terrific coach, clearly on the upswing in his career. Many thanks, Nicole. Nicole Arabak on very short notice on the breaking news that Nick Saban is retiring. The reaction is coming in from everywhere, including those who have coached against Nick Saban, Gus Malzahn, a man who had great success, saying in a tweet, it was a true honor to coach against you throughout the years. Enjoy your retirement. Reese Davis will join us next. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted Hims subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a health care provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast. Coach Prime has tweeted about the GOAT. Wow, college football just lost the GOAT to retirement. Wow. I knew it would happen one day soon, but not this soon. The game has changed so much that it chased the GOAT away. College football, let's hold up our mirrors and say honestly what you see. Roy Wood Jr., Alabama got to do a series of guest coaches like The Daily Show. Don't nobody want all that pressure. And uh, there are some reports at Tumor's Corner had been rolled. Some of you may remember that was the genesis of uh, the Harvey Updike call when uh, Paul Bryant died in January of 1983, that uh, he claimed that it had been rolled. It had not. Uh, let's get to Reese Davis, uh, who has uh, been at the vanguard of uh, college football, like Nick Saban, and been with Nick Saban so many times. Reese, thank you very much. And certainly uh, it's crossed everyone's mind at some point, but it was one of those stories that I think you had to see it to believe it. Good afternoon. Totally agree with you, Paul. I mean, you and I have had this discussion a few times over the years. Um, I think coaching college football at that level at a program like Alabama for most people uh, chips away at them little by little, day by day. But I've always said that Nick needed it like most people need oxygen. And there have been many times, and I'm sure you've had the conversations with him over the years where he contemplated what it would be like if he were to step aside and do something else. But I never, you know, you always thought, well, look, he, he appears to be in great health. He had a great uh, year this year. He probably enjoyed uh, being able to develop a team over the course of the year the way he did, um, more so than uh, many of the years in his career. So even with all of the rumors and even the fact that he's 72 and even with all of the uh, changes in college football that Dion mentioned in the tweet that you just showed, uh, you still really thought, well, he needs to coach, so he probably won't step aside. So uh, this, I, I would say, a little bit surprising, even given all of those circumstances. Reese, I'm, I'm not trying to make you into a, a, an ESPN story. There's been enough of that this week, but I'm curious about one thing, uh, because we've seen him on your set at the national championship game, and we did not see that. Mm -hmm this year unless i missed it uh was that can you explain that uh the invitation was extended and he decided not to take it this time the invitation's always open uh and, and always has been there because he's phenomenal in that role on television so um you know he, he wanted to decompress a little bit and that i don't remember which year paul i think there was one other year in which he you know decided not to do it so i, I didn't really take that as some type of a warning signal or anything of that nature. And perhaps I missed that, but I thought it was just, you know, it was a pretty short period of time between the Rose bowl and the national championship game this year. So, um, you know, they, certainly the offer was extended. The invitation was extended and we would have loved to have had him, but he, you know, he chose to 
obviously now we know that he was probably contemplating some very serious things about what he wanted to do in terms of continuing on or not. And, and I'm curious about something because uh, the only reason I know this is that uh, I ran into him last year in, uh, in California. He was literally staying in the room next to mine. But he came out there a, a day early, and uh, I know he went to all these meetings with, with your group. Uh, mm-hmm. What's it like to be in a, a game day meeting and, and a national championship meeting with, where there's, there's Nick Saban and one of the little, little, little chairs uh, like everybody else? Well, you learn a lot, and I think you um, – I mean, we always want to be at our best. I mean, I think you, you always want that on your show, and we certainly do too. But when, when Nick comes in, you want to make sure that you're buttoned up. And, uh, you know, and, and he wants to know. He wants to know what we're doing, why we're doing it. And he, you know, he was really great about wanting to go over the, the rundown, which is the outline of what we're going to talk about and when. And it's not really scripted. So it's not scripted at all, but uh, we don't even really always do an order of who's going to speak next. We want to make it conversational. Very good at that. Wanted to know if he was going to start when, you know, if there was tape involved, he would look at that and or tell us, you know, exactly what he wanted to see. So, you know, he he's really engaged and involved. He doesn't just show up and um, and rest on the laurels. He um uh, the funniest one that I remember, Paul, was I think it was the LSU Clemson national championship game. And as you know, those half times because of advertising uh, requirements are very, very short. And he came into New Orleans. He did halftime with us. And we also had um, there were I think maybe the 150th anniversary team or something was being honored and we were going to introduce them. So that also took out a, a chunk of time from halftime. And so we finished the segment and he had talked about the first half briefly and that was going to be it for that halftime. And he looked at me and he said, is that it? And I said, yeah, you know, we, we're introducing these teams. And he looked at and he said, he said, that can't be it. I've got a lot of, of stuff. I'll say, you've got a lot of stuff I want to say. <laughs> you have to find someplace else to say it because you know, we're done here. But, uh, but it was, uh, it was great. And it showed the level of his, of his preparation for uh, for even an assignment like that. You should have told him that's why you should get on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can express yourself like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's interesting, Reese, because you got to Alabama in the aftermath uh, of Paul Bryant. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure you haven't had a chance to think about any of this yet, but, but it, it is just amazing, uh, especially for a student uh, in the late uh, 80s at Alabama to, to be hearing about how great Bryant was and not really get anything that was that great, but now get to be, have a front row seat to Nick Saban's tenure. It, it was a remarkable thing. And I know this is uh, blasphemous in some quarters of, of my home state, but uh, Paul Bryant was a great, great coach. As culturally important as, as any figure uh, in Alabama history, for sure, the state, not just the university. But in my judgment, Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach who ever lived. And, you know, it's not just counting championships. They have the same number at Alabama. Nick has another one at LSU. I think it's the impact on players. It's doing it in this era where scholarships were limited. It's also succeeding in an era where um, your roster is much more transient than it was in the previous eras. And I still think, Paul, maybe something your audience would understand better than a national audience is that not that you don't have a national audience, but I mean, people in the South, the core people understand fixing LSU 
is an unbelievable accomplishment because for your entire life, my entire life, LSU was one of the sleeping giants. Couldn't get it right. Coaching graveyard. Maybe have a good year, never had a great run. And he went there and fixed it. Fixed it to the point that two subsequent coaches certainly did it their own way, certainly deserve all the credit on their own, but the infrastructure and the uh, the parameters were set at LSU for the first time that helped Les Miles at Ogeron uh, succeed and win national championships subsequently. So I think fixing LSU, uh, in addition uh, to the uh, unparalleled accomplishments at Alabama, really make it or the thing to me that make him the greatest coach who ever lived in college football. Reese, many thanks. Uh, it's been one of those days, and I know you've been busy uh, with Sports Center. Thank you very, very much, Reese Davis, the host of college game day joining us uh we're just uh trying to digest uh, the story as best we can uh, about an hour and 15 minutes old when chris lowe came on here about 5 15 eastern time to break the story that has rocked the sports world uh, richard johnson joining us from sports illustrated has covered uh the college game for a long time richard many thanks great to have you on we just wanted to get your reaction to try to put it into perspective First and foremost, Paul, honored to be on. I, you know, it was only one show I felt like turning on after I heard the news and saw Chris's tweet. I, you know, a titan of the sport has left us, has retired. Uh, and, you know, beyond the championships, beyond the wins, beyond everything, this man changed the sport. This man changed how modern defense is played. This man influenced a conference, a sport, a game, everything with what he did on that defensive side of the ball, there are so many innovators that don't get to reach the mountaintop. You think of a, a Don Coriel who changed the passing game back in the 70s. You know, you go to, to other sports, you think, you know, Mike D'Antoni in, in, in professional basketball, for instance. There are innovators who don't summit. Nick Saban summited and summited and summited again and again and again. And similar to Bear Bryant, he had a second stanza at Alabama. Hell, he had a third and he still continued to win at the absolute highest level. Uh, you know, it, it cannot be uh, overstated how great a college football coach this man was. And, and it's crazy to, to say the word was when you talk about him. Richard, uh, quickly, because uh, we, are, we are really uh, running through time here, but a couple of people have mentioned Dan Lanning, Sarkeesian. I guess Lane Kiffin is a name that will be linked. What do you think in terms of who's next? You know, I, I wonder the type of guy who is next here more than specifically the guy because a, a lot of people, especially a lot of people my age, I'm just 30, don't remember Alabama when it was dysfunctional. They don't remember it when there were warring factions all over, uh, all over that booster core and all over that fan base. Nick Saban was able to hold that at bay by the sheer force of his will and the sheer force of his victories and the legacy that he was able to create. So the next guy, whoever it is, that's Alabama's head coach, you know, uh, what he's walking into is going to be fascinating. I believe it was Bobby Bowden who said, you never want to be the guy who follows the guy. You want to be the guy who follows the guy who follows the guy. And, and so it will certainly be a tall task, the tallest task in the history of the game for whoever is Alabama's next head coach. Richard Johnson from Sports Illustrated. Uh, we'll take a short break. More on the bombshell announcement report, I should say, the retirement of Nick Saban, Steve Sarkeesian, who uh, wouldn't be around really without – it wouldn't be a Texas without Nick Saban, a shot there of uh, Saban and Pete Carroll, who also announced today he is stepping down. What a day. We will be right back. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Back again, the breaking news that Nick Saban is retiring. Yes, you heard that correctly. Uh, I know it uh, has been rumored, shot down, but it is a fact. Uh, according to multiple sources, no confirmation yet from the university. We'll, we'll get some information now from Mike Rodak from 24-7. He's covered Alabama for a number of years, first for AL.com. Mike, thank you very much. What Do we, do we know anything in relation to uh, where the university is? Uh, have they commented at all, Mike? Uh, they haven't. You know, there's nothing official in terms of a, a statement from him. I would be surprised if there's any sort of news conference right away. I think, you know, we might see something that's more of a, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a memorial service, like he's alive and well, but I think more of a commemoration of his career, uh, maybe something on a, a bigger stage. I don't think Nick Saban's going to be standing up in his traditional press conference room and, and taking questions from us after 17 years of doing it. I think it, it could be a very short statement and then maybe uh, some larger event down the road. But as of right now, as of tonight, um, you know, whatever it is, 6.30 Eastern, I, there has not been an official word from university yet. Mike, in relation to what the obvious question is going to be moving forward, who's next? Uh, I realize we're in the embryonic stages of this, but everyone has a friend who knows somebody who knows some, something else. So what, what is your best guess of somebody who is at the tip of the spear in covering Alabama? Yeah, obviously this is not, you know, it's a, it's a shock in that, you know, we're kind of taking it all in right now and it, it's all kind of fresh, but this has obviously been something that's been out there for at least a few months where I think it, it was certainly to a larger degree being speculated uh, this December going into the Rose Bowl. There were stories written about it. And, you know, I think Dan Lanning is, is certainly the name that comes up the most in terms of the most likely candidate to succeed Nick Saban at Alabama. And obviously he's a guy who has been in their system um, at, you know, as a GA in 2015, you know, was in the Georgia Kirby Smart system. That doesn't mean, you know, it's not Nick Saban necessarily making the hire. Um, so it's not like you have to have a guy who's in the system, but it does, I think, help to understand 
what it takes to win at Alabama, what it takes to win in the SEC, be around uh, Nick Saban for a year, be around Kirby Smart for, I think it was four years for landing there. Um, so I think all those things help. And, you know, Greg Byrne is, um, you know, the one who's, who's going to be leading the charge here, you know, as far as the coaching search as AD. And um, his other big hire was Nate Oates, who was a younger coach, an up-and-coming coach. Um, and I do tend to think that's, that's where this search is going to lean. Um, and I think Dan Lanning certainly fits that profile. Mike, again, everything's speculation because it hasn't been confirmed yet, but do you, do you have any best guess on how long Greg Byrne and the university have been aware of this, or do you think it just happened today? I, I think it just happened today in terms of this is what's happening, this is going down. Obviously, like I said, it's something that's been speculated for a while. I'd imagine that uh, you know, Greg Byrne being in his position, Stuart Bell, the president, the trustees of all um, you know, there, there's been, I'm sure, break glass in case of emergency sort of plans with this that they've had in place for years, I'm sure, um, in terms of what they want to do, what their search will be like. Um, so it's not as if it's completely out of the blue uh, to them. It's, it's just dusting off, you know, those thoughts and, and that approach of, of how they're going to take it. Um, but, you know, this is something where Nick Saban's hinted at it. I think the most telling thing to me was when he was on Pat McAfee's show last week and Pat asked him fairly directly about whether he's coming back next year, and um, Nick didn't really answer it directly and, and kind of took his answer to a completely different direction about NAL and ended up talking about Florida State. And he had a chance right then and there to say, yes, I'm coming back next season. I'll be back for 2024, and he did not. And after all the speculation for months, that answer in particular really put my antenna up um, in terms of, all right, this guy's sitting, and you could tell there was the background. He was the palm trees were waving behind him. He was clearly in Florida, um, and you're thinking this guy is, you know, potentially still mulling this over. And um, here, you know, four days later, five days later, here we are. Mike Rodak, many thanks. Appreciate you you're joining us, uh, Mike Rodak, with the absolute latest from Tuscaloosa. We want to get some more reaction. Uh, by the way, uh, should surprise no one, but Auburn fans did roll Tumor's Corner. Pat Forty joining us. And, and Pat, I'm sure that's the least surprising thing you've heard in your life. Good afternoon. <laughs> that is a perfect little SEC anecdote, though, isn't it? Uh, that is fantastic. I don't blame them. You have covered the end of a, a lot of brilliant careers and probably would like to see a few others end. But this is not when anyone wanted to see come to an end, although we, t- we, we, we talked in Nashville about the possibility that it was getting close. We did. uh, But yeah, you know, I mean, look, the best college football coach in history, in my opinion. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah, still a guy who was doing it at a a ridiculously high level, who at age 69 won a national championship. At age 72 made the playoff and took the eventual national champions to overtime. So it's not like, you know, you watch him and said, oh, my gosh, he's lost it per se. Um, but, you know, it has been a run of, of, of the breadth, the scope, the intensity of the domination uh, has just been staggering, something I really didn't think could be done still in the 21st century to dominate as thoroughly as he did for as long a period of time as Nick Saban did. So uh, it leaves a gigantic hole in the sport and a big hole in the SEC and a big hole in the state of Alabama. Pat, everyone's speculating and nobody knows. So uh, I will ask you to to dip into the pond in terms of the hot coaches out there. Uh, where would you start if you were if you were Greg Byrne looking for a replacement? 
Well, you know, I mean, I think the the common wisdom is probably where I would start to conventional wisdom. You know, Dan Lanning, certainly. Um, the guy that has certainly gotten my attention this year who has Alabama ties, D'Amico Ryans in the NFL Absolutely. with the Houston Texans. I mean, what a dazzling uh, young coach he looks like. Um, beyond that, you know, Dabo Sweeney has deep roots in the state, but where's his career arc? It doesn't seem to be going the right direction for somebody to jump up and say he's going to be the guy. Um, and speaking of that is Kalen DeBoer. Now, I'm not sure he's personality-wise and geographically a fit at Alabama, but, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking for somebody who plays an incredible style and has done awfully well and has, would seemingly have 15, 20 more years ahead of him, I, I would put him on the list as well. So uh, the, the other thing to consider here, does a coach really want to follow Nick Saban? I, I mean, surely somebody will because Alabama is one of the ultimate Cadillac jobs. But, my goodness, that's a hard job. And if you look at who followed John Wooden and – Dean Smith and some others. I mean, that, that is a tough, tough thing to do to try to walk in those shoes. Pat Forty, many thanks. We really appreciate it. I covered the, the man who, who, who replaced Bear Bryant, and it wasn't pretty. We'll take a short break. A few more minutes to go on a memorable early evening here in early January. Nick Saban is retiring. Thank you for listening to the best of the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Watch the Paul Feinbaum Show weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on the SEC Network. Plus, you can listen and watch on the ESPN app. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.